This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I don't know if any of you remember a Robert Fulgram. But he wrote some great stuff. He wrote a book called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Maybe some of you saw that book at a bookstore. But he made some calculations in that book about his life. I find this fascinating. He was 53 at the time. And he said, I figured out that I've spent 40,000 hours eating. Isn't that interesting? Have you spent that many hours eating? I I mean, that seems like a lot of time, 40,000 hours eating. Probably more, somebody said. little confession time there. 35,000 hours in traffic getting from one place to another. 2,900 hours brushing his teeth. 875,000 hours coping with odds and ends. Filling out forms, repairing, paying bills, getting dressed. And 223,000 hours at work. There's not a whole lot left over when you get finished adding and subtracting, he concludes. The good stuff has to be fitted in somewhere, which is why I often say it's not the meaning of life, it's the meaning in life. Well, I think it's both. It's meaning of life and the meaning in life. And today, we're going to read what I consider to be a passage of Scripture that can change someone's attitude about your life today. You know, there are things that ministers preach about, and it's informational, and it's inspirational, but there are times when I believe you read a passage of Scripture, and someone says, that made a difference in my life today. And this is one of those. In fact, I think it's one of the most important passages. If I were to name the top three passages out of the book of Jeremiah, this is one of them. It's in the 31st chapter. It's about the God who loves. We're reading verses 3 and 4 and 9. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels, and you will go out to dance with the joyful. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. I don't know if you've ever thought about an everlasting love being the love that's demonstrated or manifested in your life. I've been doing weddings for years. And I can remember the early days when the the song that was sung, we've only just begun to love and that there's love songs about, I will love you forever, I will love you forever in a day. And then two years later, you hear the news, the couple's divorced. And I've been through that with people that I've married. I understand that. It happens. So when people talk about an everlasting love, as Jeremiah does talk with the Lord, I want you to get this. It's real. He really does love you with an everlasting love. A.W. Tozer was a minister that is known for his quotes, and no no other minister I know has quoted more 
In fact, if you look on the web, you'll see the quotes of A.W. Tozer. He just had a brilliant mind, and he talked about the seven things that mark us in life. You are known for these seven things, and I'm going to add to it. He said, you are known for what you want the most. Think about that. What do you want most that nobody knows about but you? Well, please tune into Cross Hope tomorrow to hear the other six. We're out of time. God bless you. Our website is crosshope.org, crosshope.org. He talked about the seven things that mark us in life. You are known for these seven things, and I'm going to add to it. He said, you are known for what you want the most. Think about that. What do you want most that nobody knows about but you? We're known what we think about the most. Do you obsess over certain thoughts, certain people, certain situations? You're known for that. We're known, thirdly, for how we use our money, what we do with our leisure time. I was joking with John Spence this morning that uh, after going through this heart procedure of having a pacemaker put in, when I woke up, I said, now I like camping. He didn't believe me either. (laughs) That's never going to change, folks. I'm sorry. I don't care if I have a heart transplant. I'm not going to want to go camping. But what do you do with your leisure time? Number five, the company we enjoy. Number six, who and what we admire. And seven, what we laugh at. I'd never thought about that before. Never had anyone make that a focal point to me that you were known for what you laugh at because maybe you question some of the things you laugh at. But I want to add an eighth to this one. Seven things that mark your life. Number eight is this. Who loves you and whom do you love? Who loves you and whom do you love? I think we're marked by the people we love and the people that love us. And if that's true, that there's psychological and spiritual benefit to that, then it makes a difference to know that the Lord God Almighty loves you. And it begins in verse 3 with this, the Lord appeared to us in the past. I love that phrase, and yet some people would read that and say, well, that has nothing to do with me in 2020. Yes, it does. I'm going to give you three ways the Lord appears to us in 2020. You took communion a minute ago. That's an appearance of the Lord. Every time you eat the bread and you drink the cup, the Lord said, you show my death, you proclaim my death. It's an experience of the living Christ when we take the emblems which represent the body and blood of the Lord. So if you want to talk about an appearance of the Lord, there's a sense spiritually every time we take communion. There's a second way that he appears to us, I think. You know what it is? His word. Every time I open up this book, every time I speak from this book, I believe it's, in a sense, an appearance of the Lord. If you believe the idea that God inspired the writing of this book, it makes sense to me that every time we proclaim this book, God appears in the hearts of people. Why is it that sometimes, over the years, many times, I've seen a tear come to a man's eye during a sermon, a woman's eye. Is that rhetoric? No. Are they responding to oratory? Absolutely not. They're responding to an appearance of the living God through His Word. That's what I personally believe. Now, the third way that God appears to us, I think, is through unlikely people. 
You ever had someone, even a stranger, come up to you and say something? And you said, I wonder why he said that. I wonder why she said that. Pay attention to the comments that are made to you in everyday conversation. Pay attention to what's said to you and to me in just offhanded conversation. Sometimes a person can give you a word for what you need. Well, there was a lady in the church in her 80s in Columbus, the name of Margaret Friend. People made fun of Margaret. Well, I really want you to hear this story about Margaret Friend tomorrow on Crossover. That's crossover.org. People made fun of Margaret. Oh, what does Margaret know? She, you know, she just would talk and make funny statements, etc. But there were times when she would call me on a Saturday night. Yes, Margaret. Yes. And she would say something that I needed to hear. She didn't even know it. She didn't even know it, but I needed to hear those words. I think God can use unlikely people to speak to us. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know what everlasting means? And most people do. It's forever. Everlasting means there's no end to it. So what's shaping your life and my life, hopefully, is the love of a God who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. A love that no wife can show to her husband, no husband can show to his wife, no parent can show to a child. No child can show to a parent or a grandparent. I really mean it. It's something totally out of the box. It's totally different. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and then I have drawn you with loving kindness. I love that statement. I have drawn you with loving kindness. What do you do to draw people to you? If you've ever been around a, a chronically angry woman or a chronically angry man, that's what they draw with. That's what they pull with. It doesn't mean it works, but that's the draw. And the Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. You know, most people don't even think about it, but I believe that all of us have moments in life where our life was spared, and you just don't know it. You've had a near-accident situation. You've had a run-in with something dangerous, and you, you didn't know it, but your life was spared. I really believe that with all my heart. And the Lord does show acts of kindness, and that's how the Lord demonstrates His love. One of the ways He demonstrates His love is not the cross, which is the ultimate demonstration of His love, but He draws us with loving kindness. Psychology Today magazine had an interesting article years ago, What Causes Depression in Children? I was interested in that. What causes depression in children's lives? And the one that I thought would be number one didn't even make the top three. Let me let you in on a little secret. What I thought would be number one was the death of a parent didn't even make the top three. It was in the list, but it wasn't in the top three. Number one was family violence was the greatest cause of depression in a child's life. Number two was the mental illness of a parent. Number three was parental divorce. 
You say, well, why are you telling me that? Because it's telling you how the importance of love in a family, the importance of love in a marriage, the importance of love in a household, because that's what impacts the life of a child more than anything. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It impacts your life more than anything. That's why people will be able to leave today. And somebody says, what did you hear this morning? Well, I found out that God loves me with an everlasting love. And that means a lot. He loves me with an everlasting love, a love that's not on again, off again. It's continuous. Well, perhaps you've experienced a love that you would describe as on again, off again. It depends on what mood the person was in. Aren't you thankful that God is not like that? He's not fickle. He's not temperamental. He loves you constantly. Crossover.org. Why do we need to be loved that way? Well, I think the Word tells us, verse 4, I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. We can't relate to this. You will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful, which was a symbol of joy and celebration. Love builds up. Hate tears down. That's what I want you to remember. Love builds up a person's life. The greatest thing you can do as a husband to build up your wife is love her. The greatest thing that a wife can do to build up her husband is to love him. The greatest thing a parent can do to build up their children is to love them. So that's a lesson for somebody today. Somebody came here just to hear that. I really believe that. Somebody came here today just to see that. But another thing, we need that love to know that we're loved even in difficult situations. Warren Wearsby was a minister for years across the river in Covington, Kentucky. Some of you may have remembered him. He was on the radio for years. He said, nothing is harder to heal than a broken heart, shattered by past experiences that seem so meaningless. Listen to that again. Nothing is harder to heal than a broken heart, shattered by past experiences that seem so meaningless. What meaningless experiences have you had in 2020? You may think of the current events going on right now. What's the meaning of all this with the COVID thing? What's going to be the way we look at this years from now? That's going to be interesting. I have no idea if this is going to go on for months or another year or two. You don't either. There's some people that think it's going to end after the election. There are other people who say we're going to go through the, another year of this. I don't know, but I do know this, and you need to know this. God's love for you is constant. COVID or no COVID. You've got to remember that. And that is something, get this, that may help you stay sane. That may keep you from losing your mind. And I really mean that. Let's go to verse 9. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back to lead them beside the streams of water. They will come with weeping. Pay attention, and I really mean this. Pay attention to whenever the Lord brings a tear to your eye. I have seen people tear up at hospitals when I have prayed with them. I have seen people tear up, obviously, at funerals. I've seen people tear up at weddings. 
I've seen people tear up in conversations. When the Lord brings a tear to your eye, pay attention. And I really mean this. Ask yourself the question, what just happened in the last five minutes that a tear has come into my eye? They will come with weeping, Jeremiah says, and they will pray as I bring them back. Weeping can be a sign that you're moving back to the Father. It may not be. It may be guilt. But it can be a sign that you're moving back to the Father, back toward Him. You know you're repenting in your life when you stop walking away from the Lord and you start walking back toward Him. I really believe that with all my heart. Well, we close this message tomorrow on Crossover from Jeremiah 31, where the Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know of anyone on this earth who loves you that way? His name is Jesus. That's what we conclude with tomorrow. On Crosshope, our website and visual stories can be looked at by going to crosshope.org. That's crosshope.org. Then one more thing. I will lead them beside the streams of water. Anytime you see streams of water in the Bible, you know what it is? It's a statement about what God does in our lives to bless us. We don't have an appreciation for streams of water today. But believe me, back then, a stream of water meant life. We're going to live. There's a stream of water. We're going to make it through another day if they were traveling through the land. Here's water for us to drink. Load up those canteens, load up those baskets or buckets or animal skins full of water because water is a source of life. So the stream of water means a stream of life that comes into your life, and that's something that only the Lord can give. Think for a minute what people look toward to be blessed. Just the people you know. What do people look for? Possessions, experiences, vacations, things. In other words, all the things that people look toward and say, that's going to bring me happiness. That's the stream of water. No, the stream of water is the one who produces the stream, and that's the Lord God Almighty. I'm going to be honest with you. Every time I've been in the hospital and have had an, an experience like I did this last week, which is pretty dramatic, it was. And here's the thought. I have a feeling, as I mentioned earlier, our lives have been spared in ways we're not aware of. And my attitude is not arrogance, and I really mean that. It's humility saying, God, thank you. Thank you for being present in my life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, Lord, thank you for sparing my life? Thank you for sparing our family. Thank you for sparing a son or daughter in that situation or one of my parents. There's an actor, I don't know what movies or television shows he was in. His name was Hugh Franklin. He died of cancer. His wife, Madeline LaEngel, wrote, It is when things go wrong, when the good things don't happen, when our prayers seem to evaporate, that God is most present. We don't need the sheltering wing when things go smoothly. We are the closest to God in the darkness. We are the closest to God in the darkness when we stumble along blindly. She's right. Why? Because Jesus is there in the darkness with us, shining in that darkness when perceived with the eyes of faith. Light and life are symbols of the Word present to sustain creation. In Jesus, God does have eyes of flesh, and He's acquainted with grief, taking upon Himself our humanity. 
As Martin Luther said, we would draw Christ as deep as possible into the flesh. In him, we discover the light we need to see and the life we need to keep living. The God of life, listen carefully, I'll close with this, is the God of love. The God of life is the God of love. Now, what are you to other people? Very personal question. Only you know the answer. Do you represent life and love? Did you know that's what a Christian is to be? You and I are to represent life and love and say, so when people interact with you or interact with me, they say, I have a sense. Here's a man. Here's a woman. Here's a teenager. Here's a young person who has the life of Christ in him or her. How do I know that? Because I see the love. I sense the love of Christ in them. Is that what people sense in you? Or do they sense, no, he's angry. He's ticked. She's angry all the time. What do you expect? You know, and then and people just go on and on about people's persona. We're to have a persona that's real, but a persona that reflects the love of God. It's not an act, but it reflects the life and the love of Christ. Hallelujah. We are loved with an everlasting love. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.